Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics, because that's who we are. Hey, by the book listeners, Kristen here. Did you know that you can receive a weekly by the book affirmation mini plus the rules of every book that we've lived by? It's easy. All you have to do is become a member of our Patreon community. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. Again, that's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book, or just look at the episode description from today's show. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Kristen. Yeah, Jolenta. Of all the celebrities who wrote self-help books that we live by this past season, who do you think was the biggest celebrity? Oh my God, that is so hard to say because they're all famous in their own way, right? Mm, I mean, I agree with you totally, but also it turns out a lot of our listeners did not feel the same way. In fact, many of them wrote in to say that at least half of our authors weren't celebrities at all, according to them. Yeah, I find that really interesting. I mm -hmm. mean, I suppose our definitions of what constitutes fame have changed a lot over the years. And the good news, though, is fortunately, I know two people who spend a lot of time thinking about these definitions of celebrity, and they've agreed to join us today to noodle over this whole topic with us. Well, then let's bring him into the studio, because I'm Jolenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. I'm Emma Gray of the Love to See It podcast. And I'm Claire Fallon, also of Love to See It. And this is By the Book.
That's right. It's time for another By the Book bonus episode, our Between Seasons treat for your ears. Every other week between this and season nine, we put out a new episode. And today we're diving into the question, who is a celebrity and who is not a celebrity? What is fame? Mm. And joining us for this conversation are Emma Gray and Claire Fallon. Together, they host the podcast Love to See It with Emma and Claire. They do deep dives into the Bachelor franchise and other reality shows, and they unpack all the weird messages that pop culture sends us about love and gender and identity and fame. And we are so, so, so excited to talk to you, too. Thank you so much for joining us, Emma and Claire. This is such a treat for us. We are huge fans of your pod. So this is just a delight. Uh, we oh. are fans of your pod and all of your work. So yes. stop it. It's mutual. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, Claire, let's start off with this question. The past season of By the Book, we lived exclusively by self-help books penned by celebrities. And among those celebrities were several reality TV stars. But our listeners were really divided, Mm -hmm. with some saying, those are not famous people. Why do you think some people see reality TV stars as real celebrities and some of us don't? You know, that's a really interesting question. That actually surprises me because I think of a reality TV star as being kind of the platonic ideal of a celebrity, right? It's someone whose only real distinguishing characteristic is that they're famous. They're not an actor necessarily or a musician. You wouldn't say like, oh, that's a pop star. You would just say she's a celebrity because what distinguishes her from the rest of us is that a lot of people know who she is and pay attention to her. She's being talked about in the media. And I think that that's what reality stars are for us. They fill this this need that we have to to, to know about certain people, to know a lot about their lives and to be able to talk about them with each other. But I do think for a lot of people, that's difficult to accept. It's like difficult to accept that we care about people who don't quote unquote deserve it. You know, they haven't earned our attention mm, with right. their skills. And so to look at someone who was on the Hills and say, she's a celebrity. I think people bridle at that. They're like, oh no, JLo's a celebrity, you know? But I don't think that that is really an accurate usage of celebrity to limit it to just people who are famous for what we might consider like their talent or merit, um, because you can be famous and talked about for lots of reasons. And that's what the word celebrity means. You're being celebrated or (laughs) not celebrated. (laughs) But you are being talked about. Discussed generally in the ether. Right. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, I actually did a little digging for this uh, interview because I, I got me thinking about it as well. And from what I can gather, you know, the word celebrity has been used really only in the way we use it now for the last 100 or 150 years. And it's always actually carried this very strong connotation of someone who is well-known or famous, but maybe not for the best reasons. <laughs> you know, it's mm. someone who um, has is being talked about, who is being written about in the media, that people are gossiping about. They are famous well beyond what you might consider like their social circle, but they don't have that sense of necessarily the respect of like, oh, they are well-known because they 
invented something really in- incredible or they're the president, you know, mm. it's someone who mm-hmm. is appearing in, in the gossip columns or who is is talked about just because people seem to know and care about who they are. Right, right. I feel like this sort of leads into our next question, which we're going to toss at Emma. Um, Our listeners also seem to believe like there is a distinct difference between reality TV stars like Judith Scheinlin, you know, of Judge Judy fame versus those like Spencer Pratt and Heidi Montag who rose to fame on the hills and like are back on the hills. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you see that difference as well? I see why people might try to make that distinction, but I feel like fundamentally it's kind of a false one. I think it does connect in part to what Claire was talking about Mm -hmm. in terms of the fact that when we have this sort of parasocial relationship with someone, I think it's comforting to believe that we have that understanding of their life or in a sense like jealousy of or admiration for someone because they do something that like merits that distinction. And I think for someone like Judge Judy, there is an element of like, well, she's actually a judge. Right. And then she was had all, you know, had these (laughs) qualifications. Uh, She was entertaining in addition to those like hard set of skills. So she deserved, you know, the, the elevated notoriety that she received. Whereas Spencer Pratt and Heidi Montag are, are fundamentally seen as, lowbrow there, you know, people loved to toss around, I think in the heyday of the Hills, like they're famous for being famous. It's how we think about mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian, right? How we think about Paris Hilton. And I think that there is sort of a fundamental discomfort on the part of those of us who consume information about these people and have interest in them that like, why do we care? They've done nothing to earn that attention. We feel some sort of scorn towards them. And so I think there is a tendency to be like, well, they're not even a real celebrity because mm. they're mm-hmm. simply famous uh, without that like set of hard skills. But fundamentally, as Claire alluded to, like that is what a celebrity is. And celebrity mm-hmm. covers a really wide range of people. And that is like fundamentally why the word exists because we needed something to name that parasocial relationship. Right. Yeah. I think it's really fascinating to think about that because it's like, sure, Judith Scheinland uh, did actually have certain qualifications, but they weren't qualifications for fame. They were being a family court judge. And so the idea that we would say, <laughs> oh, she's more of a celebrity, she's more legit in some way, when we're not walking around wearing T-shirts usually with family court judges on them. But I think it's interesting yeah. to think right. about Right, she's famous because she has a TV show. Right. But I think it's, again, like, it says more about, about us. The way we draw that distinction says more about us than it does right. about the celebrity yeah. we're talking about. And I think it it has something to do with what we're paying attention to also, which is like, I wouldn't really think of Judge Judy as a celebrity. Why not? Because I don't watch Judge Judy. Right. And I don't care that much about her. She's not a celebrity to me in the same way that someone who is on The Bachelor right now and was on for two episodes was, you know, that person <laughs> is less famous than Judge Judy, but they're more relevant to, to the way I follow celebrity culture. And I think that there's like, that's been so atomized. Like there are so many ways to be famous now. We don't have a monoculture anymore. 
And so, you know, you hear about, oh, this celebrity is dating this other celebrity and you've never heard of either of them because one is like a YouTuber and one does TikTok. (laughs) And, you know, that feels confusing. People, you get uncomfortable with that. You're like, they're not famous. I don't know who they are. Well, 3 million people follow them on social and there are whole forums dedicated to them. I'm sorry, they're a celebrity. Um, but it's so easy to be a celebrity now and have huge, huge swaths of the country and the world not know who you are at all. And I think that's relatively new in certain ways, although it's right. also not completely new. There have always been niches. And I always think of like that old uh, viral tweet. I think it was Michael Harriet, the writer, about being Black famous um, which he says is like the gap between how well-known a famous person is uh, mm. d- to black people and how unknown they are to white people. So like within a certain cultural uh, setting, a certain community, someone can be very famous and in another not, but we're seeing that in so many different dimensions now. And it's hard for people to understand that they could not know who someone is and they can also be a celebrity. Right. I right. also think even if that isn't new, we are like peripherally more aware of celebrities that we don't know about because there is so much celebrity media and so much of this Mm. like happens on the internet and on social media. So before social media, maybe like, yeah, there would be an appearance of someone in Us Weekly that I wouldn't know about, but I might not pick up that Us Weekly. I might not like be aware that I have that gap in in my own celebrity mm. knowledge whereas now we're sort of like seeing photos of people floating around everywhere and like bristling like well they're not relevant <laughs> to me why would anyone care it's too many yeah. celebrities to learn it's about like too many celebrities <laughs> exactly there are so many i got to say it like when i was a wee little kid we only had uh, network tv with maybe I was five just channels say back when network yeah. tv was on- the only option and it's like some of us are still yeah. operating with that mindset and <laughs> Forgetting like mm-hmm. how big niches have gotten and how accessible different niches have gotten. And it's yeah. like, you know, I felt that way la- not last season, but the season before. We lived by a book. We lived by a book by Joanna Gaines, and I had no clue who she was. And we had like, and I, of course, was like, she's Christmas so famous. Everything about <laughs> yeah, her. huge celebrity. And it's like, and we had this huge <laughs> influx of like, you know, listeners because we did that book and lots of like, you know, action on social and it's like oh this person is clearly huge and I just missed that whole genre exactly (laughs) but is there a fast and hard rule across the board of a person is famous when they reach this pinnacle of Mm. success or I mean it now in the past we used to know it's like because you're on tv but (laughs) nowadays what what is the marker of you're actually famous or is there not one It's so difficult, but it's funny. I was thinking about exactly that because I was listening to, I think, Reply All this week. And someone mentioned uh, in an interview that in the UK, there is a legal standard. And I looked (sighs) it up. In the UK, the the Advertising Standards Authority has ruled that if you have 30,000 followers on social media or more, you are legally a celebrity. And that That was the result. very low. My mouth is pretty It's because there was this specific case of an influencer who had like 32,000 followers on Instagram. She advertised a drug, uh, like a a supplement on her page. Celebrities aren't allowed to do that in the UK. And so Mm. she was, she was sued and lost. Like they, they, the court decided that that was enough followers to count as a celebrity. And 
I, you know, I don't think that maybe here in the U.S. we tend to like I have almost that many on Twitter and I certainly don't think of myself as a celebrity, <laughs> um, but it, you know, there, there is this attempt to make these standards. And I don't think that we all have the same cutoffs. There are too many ways to like slice that. Mm. That's so funny. Wow. I didn't know that you would actually have a hard number to give for that question. <laughs> I'm, obsessed. I'm obsessed. I need to look up this case now. It seems yes. so juicy. Like I'm obsessed. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I was like, I can't believe this is a real thing that exists. What an amazing thing to learn. <laughs> Perfectly wow. timed for this interview, frankly. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> um, we're going to think about that for a hot second and take a quick break. Uh, but please stick around because we have more of the amazing Emma Gray and Clara Fallon talking celebs. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back with Emma Gray and Claire Fallon. Together they host the podcast, Love to See It, with Emma and Claire. And we are so excited that they are joining us today to talk about who is truly famous and all things celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, Emma, I have been a pretty diehard reality TV fan since, like, I feel like it started, you know, back when I was in middle school. And back then, especially, the popular perception was that to be in a reality show uh, was sort of an easy way for fame-hungry people to get their foot in the door for Hollywood. Or it's at least easier than, like, showing up at a lot for an open call and, like, auditioning for a film. Do you think this is actually the case? I mean, I certainly think that the barrier to entry for reality television is not the same as like a Marvel movie, <laughs> you know? Right. I no, mean, the criteria is different. <laughs> criteria is different. And there are like simply um, more slots available in reality TV world, I'd say. It is certainly, it certainly can be an, an expedited path to notoriety. Right. But I don't think that like a low barrier to entry is the same thing as easy. Mm. Um, there are still certain skills that are required to not just, first of all, get cast on a reality show, right. but also to then be entertaining on a reality show. Like there are people who get cast on reality TV 
go on and have zero entertainment value, fade into the background. No one sees them. No one knows they exist. This happens all the time on The Bachelor. You can get cast on The Bachelor, go home night one. No one knows your name. Certainly no one knows who you are. (laughs) So, you know, you also, uh, for a lot of these reality shows, have to fit certain like physical archetypes and characteristics, kind of frankly, the same way that you do to get cast in a Hollywood film. So I I don't know that there is like such a clear distinction. And I also think that the perception has perhaps shifted over time because reality TV, I feel like, you know, in the early aughts was there was like network and primetime television. And then there was reality TV and it was this new sort of like trashy feeling medium. Now, as we discussed before, like there are so many more pathways available to be widely seen. You can start a YouTube channel. You can just like make one viral video on TikTok and end up with a million followers. You can become a fashion blogger and be photographed at fashion week and become known in that realm. Um, And so I think that it's sort of lessens the the stark divide that we used to see between like real TV and reality television because it's sort of all a part of this bigger ecosystem of Mm -hmm. fame now. Well, the ecosystem I find very fascinating because, you know, nowadays more and more reality shows are just being frank about it. We cast people with huge social media followings. They don't hide that at all. Like when you look at everybody who was cast on Love at First Sight or everybody who was cast on Too Hot to Handle, for example. I mean, almost everybody on Too Hot to Handle already had half a million followers already on social. So do you feel that social media has completely changed the game now on what fame means? I I think it absolutely has. I mean, it's just so easy. You don't need to rely on the gossip blogs zeroing in on someone who will make good copy, you can go right to their own feed. And, you know, when we talk about reality, you know, stars like Heidi Montag and Spencer Pratt, I never watched the Hills. I know about them as celebrities because I used to read like delisted and the superficial. And so they became celebrities to me through that today. Maybe I follow people on Instagram if I'm interested in knowing like who they're posting selfies with, uh, who they might be dating, what they're wearing. And so they have a much more direct line. And what that also means like for reality shows is that they don't have to take risks on people in the same way. Like Mm. social media is, is a, a proving ground. A lot of people are basically doing free self-training and self-qualification to be a reality star by building up these social media followings. And we see like the way that corporate media like mines social media for, for talent, people are going on YouTube and TikTok and showing, you know, I can get people to pay attention to my dancing or my singing or my podcasting. And they're doing that essentially often for free so that, you know, networks, can have a sure bet to cast so that Netflix can have a sure bet to to give a show to. And it's just, I mean, in a way it's, it's quite dem- democratizing. Um, mm-hmm. In another way, I think it's actually quite troubling that 
so many of us are giving away our work for free to these social media platforms and hope that and hopes that someone will pay us for it eventually. Right. <laughs> but it certainly, I think, cuts through a few different. Uh, it, it cuts down on the workload. I think if you're if you're in casting for a totally. show like Love Island and you want to yeah. know who's going to be fun to watch, yeah. Yes. Right. Especially now that, you know, the, the primacy of video content, I think is really, really helpful with this. I mean, even for this season of the bachelorette, like Katie Thurston didn't make it as far as most people who are then cast as the lead do on her season. But part of what helped her, and she's been very frank about this was that during the pandemic, she got really into TikTok and built mm. this independent audience on TikTok, And it was easy for people to see that like she had presence, she could carry a narrative. Uh, and as Claire said, like, those are all things that are are very useful. And sometimes fans yeah. even start doing the work for you. They'll campaign for someone because they have exactly. a ball. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Claire, yes. they picked it. Great. We're good to go. We're all producers <laughs> yeah. now. And, well, and I was going to say, I feel like a skill set that we are realizing is integral to reality is the ability to self-produce. And if you can prove that you already do that on your own, essentially, you're such a safe bet. Absolutely. And I mean, imagine where casting was you know, 20 years ago for these shows you're and the bachelor, I think still does some of the old school casting because they want to cast such a wide net and not just have totally Instagram stars, whereas right. Love Island and To Out to Handle, I think are fine with that. But like, you know, you're going to malls and are like, does that seem like a hot person who's looking for a spouse? You know, should I hand them a, an application? Yeah, you're, you're doing advertising and then sifting through all of the applications. You're going to casting agents and being like, do any of your actors just want to pretend they're a normal person who's looking for love? I mean, it's a lot of legwork and TikTok, it's like this, it just rises to the top, right? And you can just skim it off a little bit. Well, and also we wanted to ask about, um, it seems to be going the other way too, because now more and more people who've come by fame in traditional ways, you know, like Denise Richards, Lisa Rinna, you know, are choosing to be on reality TV. Kanye started showing up eventually like uh, do you think that has lent more legitimacy to to the medium and the people who already existed in that medium? Absolutely. And I think it's all sort of connected. You know, it's cyclical. Like mm. as reality TV became um, more common and more accepted in mainstream media, I think it sort of gave license to people who had come by fame in a more traditional way. It, it became a legitimate sort of second or third act. It became a way to say like, this is another reve potential revenue stream. This is another direction I can take my career if perhaps like traditional casting opportunities feel like they're starting to exist less. And right. I think it's interesting when you look at the Real Housewives, you know, you said Lisa Rinna, you said Denise um, and Denise Richards. Right. And I think it's interesting that we're seeing women who have sort of like passed an age where Hollywood traditionally mm -hmm. has told them like, you are invisible. You are no longer interesting. You are no longer leading lady material. You are no longer, you know, able to be sexually objectified in the way that we 
um, want you to be in order to be considered useful. And on a show like The Real Housewives, they get to be the star again. They get to take some control or at least a uh, facade of control over their own <laughs> totally. narratives. And that can certainly, as we saw with Denise, that can perhaps backfire. But <laughs> I think that, um, you know, it does just provide another, another avenue to use that fame. And then it ends up lending legitimacy to other people who are in that field and then so on and so forth. Yeah. I also just want to jump in and say there's such a wide range of reality shows as well. And it's interesting to see which ones are given more respect than others. Like The Amazing Race, like, oh, it's so expensive. It's so highly produced. And the people on that show, they're essentially just on a game show. Whereas people on Below Deck, look at how trashy those people are or Southern Charm. And the way we decide what kinds of reality shows are respectable and which ones aren't, I also find fascinating. And one other thing I want to say, at least in the U.S., a lot of us think of the first reality show being American Family, which was a show on PBS that followed mm -hmm. this family in San Francisco, mm -hmm. I think in the 1970s. Yeah. Where, and that was hugely respected. It was seen as a major moment. Like, this is changing what documentary is by mm -hmm. following this family as they go through – yeah, it's like, yes, exactly. It's like totally cinema verite. Like this family is falling apart. The son is going to come out to his parents. And we haven't seen that on TV before. All of that was so new. And now those things happen on reality shows all the time where people come out to their parents or people go through divorces. And it's not seen in the same way with respect to, you know, it's, um, you know, is this worthy of awards or not? So I, I do think it's really mm. interesting how our perceptions of reality TV change and the variety of reality shows we have and how this could have been seen as great at one point, but is now seen as trash. That's that's such a good point. I always think that American Family Show is such an interesting precursor to what we know as reality TV today, because there is this like slippage between documentary and reality TV and what we've come to think of as reality TV. I think the reason often that we, we see it as not respectable is because we don't see it as being that real. Whereas a documentary, we think, oh, these people are just living their lives. They're not really that aware of the cameras. Like they're, the cameras are just like a fly on the wall capturing this and the documentarians are shaping it into a powerful reflection of what really happened. Whereas with reality TV, we say, oh, the producers told them to say that they refilmed that take, you know, they, they ginned up this drama. And to some extent that's true. And that creates <laughs> this, this pall of like, well, reality shows don't depict reality as much and, and as truly as documentary does, um, despite all that the genres share and how close they are and, and how interconnected the history of reality TV is with documentary. And I think that gets at what we find so uncomfortable about celebrities too, which is like, they want to be famous. They know they're famous. They tell the paparazzi where they are. They stage a photo shoot by the <laughs> pool. <laughs> You know, they, yeah. they know, they, they know what they're doing. They're not presenting their real selves. They're performing a character for us so that we'll pay attention to them. And I think reality TV and celebrity completely share that, that image problem as it were. <laughs> All right. We are going to take one more quick break, but when we come back, we have one last question, very important one for Claire and Emma. So you got to stick around.
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. We are back with one last question for Emma Gray and Claire Fallon of the Love to See It podcast. And that question is, what reality show would you want to be on? There are so many options. Mm. This is so difficult, but I think I would have to say fixer upper. <laughs> I was going to say yes. it has to be an HGTV one so I can yeah. get a new kitchen, right? Yeah, I knew oh, it. Wow. Yeah, wow. It was like 100% HGTV for me um, and fixer upper. Like, let me hang out with the Gaines. I'm so I'm down. you want to be with Chip and Joanna Gaines. As, I know about them. As now. they shiplap your kitchen. I yeah, I need some shiplap. Yes. I need a good backsplash. <laughs> like this is just what it like just like a farmhouse sheet. I was gonna say reclaim some wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Emma and I always talk about how incredibly bad we would be on a show like The Bachelor and how we would ruin our <laughs> lives because we would just cry all the time and everyone would hate us. And so I definitely don't think I could handle a, a celebrity gear, like a, a mm. celebrity manufacturing type reality show. So I think, you know, at best I'm going to go Great British Bake Off. You know, oh, I nice. think I, <gasps> I'd i be willing for the for the honor, the distinction of having made a really bad like apple loaf cake for Paul Hollywood. I would be willing to embarrass myself for a single episode on that. Wow. Oh, these are these are good <laughs> I choices. I like the specificity <laughs> really good. of a single episode. What would you guys do? <laughs> yeah. What's your answer? <laughs> I, I already mentioned it, but I would love to be on The Amazing Race. Um, mm. Just the sad part is you don't really get to appreciate all those countries you travel to, but you do maybe get to spend a couple of hours when you're not shooting, you know, eating a meal, walking around, or I hope you do. But uh, I feel like I have to confess something to everybody here. I did once audition for a reality show. No way. <gasps> what? Which one? Yes, I did. What show? Uh, I auditioned for Colonial House. So I don't know if you remember, mm. there were these history reality shows. There was Frontier House. 1900s House. I had the video <laughs> set in middle school. I love reality TV for so long. <laughs> yes. So, And I got a call back and then Whoa. I didn't do it. <gasps> yeah, I just sent you them a video. Robbed. You were I, <laughs> well, I'm not sure if you know about the disaster of what happened on uh, that show, on Colonial House, but people got sick, got taken to the hospital because there was no heat or hot water. You're in New England in the winter. You're slaughtering your really own bad, animals. And they had either uh, well-to-do oh people God. or servants. 
and I would have been cast as a servant. Well, and what? it was also sort of, wasn't it sort of like a village scenario? Like it got like bat, like weird quickly, if, yes. what, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I love that you remember this, Jolenta. This this is a reflection I of our friendship and our values. I was a huge fan of 1900s house, <laughs> and I was like really amped that they were bringing it to the States. Yeah. I think if no, you're going to um, make... I was going to say Frontier House actually worked out. Watch Frontier House, because yeah. that's... I think it's in the Dakotas or something like that, where the, they did that one. And nobody dies in the winter. No one goes to the hospital. <laughs> well, that's, wow. I mean, wow. maybe Good. this speaks against the point I was about to make. But, like, a bunch of people died when they came to the, you know, oh. to the Americas for the first time Seems and were unprepared really... for the brutal winters. Yeah. So I feel like they should have thought of that before they did this show. Or maybe they did think about that. And they're like, and accuracy. They were, like, we're cool with that. Yeah, no, they're Reality. like, we're really committed. Clearly <laughs> nothing we're not willing to do yeah. to people in the name of historical accuracy, including racism. <laughs> But Jolenta, I need to hear, what what is the reality show you want to be on? Ugh, I'm, like, so stumped. I mean, obviously, like, I love Real Housewives. I feel like I would want to be, I feel like a, a strong need to be on the Real Housewives of Potomac. Um, <laughs> mainly because I think that Candace and Ashley could get along, and I want to, like, help make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to come in as, like, a peacekeeper. I want to just be a friend of and be like, you guys have the most in common. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's my current dream right now. Wow. That's beautiful. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) Well, we have loved talking with the two of you. This has been so much fun. Can you remind all of our listeners where they can find you? Uh, Yeah, you you can. Sorry. (laughs) I was like, who's talking? Um, (laughs) Yeah, you can find us on the Love to See It podcast, um, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also find our newsletter, which also includes some audio called Rich Text on Substack. Nice. And and what about your social media followings? Because that's where people are really famous, you gotta right? got to make that's sure true. you we, hit that number. Yeah. We do want to become celebrities. So if you could help me reach 30,000, I'll be (laughs) shilling for many terrible products. Um, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose. Yes. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Claire E. Fallon. And I don't want to get to 30,000 followers. I want to be able to continue advertising drugs in the UK. Mm. So (laughs) please keep that in mind. (laughs) 29.9. Let's keep an eye on that number. Make sure it stays at the right Mm. level. (laughs) Well, Emma and Claire, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. We had a blast. And that is it for this bonus episode of By the Book. Of course, huge thanks goes out to our amazing production team at Stitcher, Brandon Nix, Corinne Wallace, Daisy Rosario, and Andy Christens. Of course, also huge thanks goes out to Nate Wida, he composed our theme song, and to the band The Rizzos, who performed it. Please stay in touch. Send us any questions or suggestions for future books for us to live by. Also, follow us on social media so that we can be more famous. Jolenta is at Jolenta G. That's on Twitter. I'm at Kristen Meinzer on Twitter. And we're both at By the Book Pod on Twitter. But Instagram's probably more important, right, Jolenta, to be famous? I don't even know anymore. I'm on TikTok. I've made <laughs> one video. Um, <laughs> Ooh, I don't know what my handle wow. is. 
Uh, <laughs> but on Instagram, I'm at Jalenda underscore G and Kristen is K10 Mindser. That's K10 Mindser. It's wordplay. Shocker. <laughs> Um, also, if you like us, why don't you look down at your phone where you're listening right this second and just give us a quick little tap of like, I don't know, five stars. And if you have a hot second, maybe leave a nice little review. Uh, that helps other people find our show. It's always nice when real humans are vouching for a show. It makes me trust it more. Uh, and speaking of real humans, you know, tell a friend about the show, too. Uh, it always helps. Tell a reality star, tell a non-famous person, tell the most famous person you know about our show. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Stitcher. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.